is Tooth Be Toe. This is Dr. Walter Aka. Dr. Kyle Dumpert. Uh, Dr. Well, before I could introduce him, he just introduces himself. This is what. Okay, this, so let's just start over then. No, no, this is, this is what this podcast is going to be like. This is excellent. All right, good. Well, actually, he does not. He he does not even need an introduction because he's been on oh. the podcast before. He uh, we talked about um, Invisalign with you. Correct. Uh, right. And so now we're moving on to something that, I mean, you and I, we've talked so many times. We've went through, we all, I mean, actually, this is the pit crew right here. We all went to pit, um, you know, but not everybody. They all pit. Right. Uh, when everybody finishes, though, they don't go the route where they should, right? They don't continue the education aspect of it. I feel like a lot of people develop poor habits and just stick with it. They don't challenge themselves. Um you know, and I, I, I can speak for, you know, dealing with a lot of new grads where the educational aspect is just not there and they just seem to just be stagnant. Right. So this is a, an honest conversation. We're going to sit here. We're going to literally have an honest conversation about continuing education, which ones to take, which ones not to take. Uh, and, and literally, how can we make dentistry a little bit better? Because I feel like we're going in the wrong direction when it comes to continuing education and, and people just basically swinging for the fences when they they can't even bat they're batting like 50 <laughs> you know yeah. not, they're not even batting 100 they're batting 50 like it's it's, it's they're, they're i mean their average is low right but yet they think they can do a lot more they're like oh i'm gonna take a full mouth rehab when they can't even do a, a crown correctly yeah you see what i'm saying yeah, and so right and so this is our discussion tonight it's let's be real Let's put it out there. This is tooth be told. Let's put it out there and let's just start from the beginning. So, uh, Dr. Adaruz, let's let's begin with your journey into when you felt like, hey, continuing education is where I need to be. Well, I've been out for 11 years at this point, like Dr. Aka. And I think it really hit me after about year five. I hit a plateau in my career where... I felt like I had kind of excelled in everything I needed to. And frankly, dental school really just teaches you the basics. And they don't teach you enough to really be able to manage complex situations. My thing is, if you're going to do the treatment, you need to be able to handle and manage the complications. Some people can't. <clears throat> and how to do things correctly. So there's so many avenues nowadays that you kind of have to pick your niche as far as what you love to do. And I felt that I got that around year five. Uh, even in dental school, I was always into cosmetics, but I would say around year five is when it really resonated with me with what I wanted to do. And that's where it kind of led me to want to create a better path for me and my patients and, and grow my practice along with me as far as my education, and I've been committed to that ever since then. So I would say for the last six years, I've been hitting it hard with CE every year. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about this then. Let's let's break it down. Let's start from the beginning, right? You're a new graduate. You're about to. You're getting out of school with three hundred fifty thousand, four hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. You know, and you're saying create your own niche. <laughs> But is that possible for these general dentists? And and how do they even know? And actually, no, let's be honest. Is it possible for any dentist graduating school? And how do you know what your niche is? You know, what we think is our niche may not end up being our skill level. Does that make sense? You know, if I yeah. want to place implants and I think I'm great at surgery, but then whenever I go place an implant, it's coming out of someone's nose. That, that, that might not be my niche. I might need to right. <laughs> look no. somewhere else, yeah. right? And I right. think honesty is the first thing we need to talk about. 
let's be honest with our skill levels and let's be honest with ourselves. Like when we were going through dental school, we knew some of those people that just had incredible hand skills and we knew people that you wouldn't want them to work on your dog. Right. So let, like, right. how do we gauge that? Where, where do we, where do we fall when it comes to, you know, what, how do you develop your niche? How do you even start to evaluate what your niche is? Go ahead, Kyle. I'll let you. Honestly, I think this is a great place where corporate dentistry comes into into play. And it's uh, so I, I did a year at corporate dentistry. Uh, Dr. Aka did uh, mm-hmm. corporate dentistry as well. But uh, the group that I was with, they focused on continuing education. So if I wanted to go learn how to do Invisalign, they sent me to Texas. <laughs> if I wanted to learn how to do endo, they sent me to a course with Wave 1. Uh, follow their protocols. Uh, so it was very helpful. And I mean, it it sounds bad, but it's, it's, truth be told, I mean, if I'm coming out of school and I'm buying or I'm settling down in a practice that I'm going to be for 30 years, like we said, the dental edu- dental school education gives you the bare minimum. So you're going to make a lot of mistakes fresh out of dental school. It's helpful, but it's all, I mean, it's hurtful to the patient, but I mean, nobody's perfect. That's why it's practice the dentistry, but I don't want, I don't think people should settle into that spot, that office, the first one they, they settle on because you're going to be, I mean, it's also helpful to learn from your mistakes because you're seeing that patient over the years, but it was helpful for me working in several different offices and saying, uh, seeing, okay, this works, this, uh, you know, I created a mistake that I really don't want to see this patient ever again because I'm ashamed of what I did. Okay. Um, uh, not that I did anything intentionally wrong to this patient, but sometimes things don't turn out the way you want them to. Right. Uh, whether it's uh, it, it's almost like that year kind of residency or you know that year or two at corporate dentistry, you have a support system of, you know, senior dentist or, or something that can help bail you out of situations. And uh, corporate dentistry, honestly, was something that allowed me to, you know, maybe learn from other dentists where if I was in private practice by myself, that would have been a very difficult first couple of years learning from my mistakes, figuring out how to fix mi- the mistakes when I didn't have that support system uh, that the corporate office I worked for, you know, had in place for me. Okay. Dr. Alderuz, what do you think? How do you create your own niche or find your own niche and go through all the mistakes that you're going to make? I think you got to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. A lot of people make mistakes of trying to do too many things and they run before they can crawl. And I feel that they need to understand basic concepts very well. And there are courses that cater to these basic concepts, right? So an understanding of adhesive dentistry, occlusion, basic dental anatomy, which it becomes a big deal later on because the dental anatomy coincides with the occlusion. It, it'll make a difference in your dentistry. You can't do full mouth rehabilitations if you don't understand occlusion concepts if you don't understand dental anatomy and how it functions, how it wears. Well, okay. Well, let me pause, let me pause right that. there. Let me pause. Then why is it that 
everybody always wants to take those full mouth rehab, the all on four. Because it's the biggest money makers. Okay, right? I don't. No I don't want to take them. I, I'll be honest. I I don't want to touch them. Okay, I, I've but been why? to. You're like the only of, person that does not want to do that. Why? Is I don't. Be, in my area, one people don't want to pay it. They want to get you. They're if they're presented with a treatment plan that's twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. <laughs> They would rather just have their teeth taken out and have a set of dentures in my area. Right. Also, in my head, I really, you know, there is a lot more litigation when it comes to full mouth rehabilitation that even if you do it perfect, if the patient's expectations aren't where they need to be and they don't turn out exactly how that patient feels, it's a lot easier for a lawyer to come in when they just dropped Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. And this say, is where, yeah, And this is where that education comes in handy because right. it's about setting the expectation and informing before you perform any dentistry. So my my biggest thing that I always tell the patient: if I tell you upfront, it's an explanation. If I tell you later, it's an excuse. And <laughs> right. you want to avoid right. that problem. And I tell that to everyone. And then I tell them as honest as possible. A lot of dentists sugarcoat the situation and you're in a problem right so a lot of patients come in unknowing that they have a full mouth needle treatment some do some know that they have problems Mm -hmm. but there's others that fall into the category of i saw my dentist for 20 years and i was fine the reason being that dentist didn't have the education to see the problem that was happening because they're treating tooth by tooth dentistry. For example, my tooth cracked. Why did it crack? Are you right. having parafunction? Are you having lateral excursion problems? Like they look at the two front teeth and they're trying to do a bonding when there's severe wear with cross, yeah. cross wear patterns and they're not looking at that. And then the right. patient's upset. Oh, you did that bonding instead of doing what's right and fixing the cross pattern. Okay. So, let me let me ask. Let it me, coincides. Me, okay, well, let me let me say that. So, what you're saying right now is there's a lot of education that needs to be had. But how long? How many CEs and how long do you think it takes for you to truthfully understand occlusion and understand how to properly treat a patient? How many years? That's a do you lifetime, think? brother. Okay, that's okay, lifetime. that's a that's an easy answer. But again, <laughs> right? We, we a lifetime. Yes, you're right. A lifetime continued education is important. But for to be to be adequate. At it because when we get out of dental school, we, we get out of dental school with maybe twenty to thirty percent of what we're supposed to know. Right? Yeah. But we're thrown into a world that we're supposed to know a hundred percent of the stuff. So when does it get to the point where we're where maybe like we've mastered or gotten close to mastering? How many years do you think it that takes? depends? It depends on your practice. There's doctors that do only X in their practice areas. It really depends on your demographic, your need. And what your practice is doing on a daily basis. For example, the Michael Oppas of the world, his niche are cosmetic dentistry. He does more veneers than anyone in the planet, period. So his design, his passion for veneers is higher than, say, someone that's in a rural community that doesn't do it. Right. But okay. But no, what what my question isn't. Uh, what your niche is. My question is, every every patient comes in, right? A patient that comes into uh, Dr. <laughs> Dumper may need uh, root canal, may need, you know, may need, I don't know, uh, ortho, may need all this. This is all one patient, may need perio, may need all this other stuff. When do you become 
adequate enough, how much CE do you take to uh, be able to kind of diagnose that and know what you can and can't handle? I think it's, uh, when it comes to continuing education, at least me personally, the more I learn, the more CE I go to, the more I realize I don't learn or that I don't know. Mm. So there is never that point where I feel like, okay, I mastered dentistry. I'm good. I don't have to go to any more continuing education because there's always something more that you can learn, always something better. Uh, the science is always changing. Uh, things that we believed 20 years ago may not be applied to what the situation is now. And it, you're never going to get to that point where, okay, I, I'm good uh, and, until you retire. Uh, if you retire five years from now, then that's the point where you're good because you're not going to be practicing anymore. <laughs> right. But you always have to have that continuing education going because things are always going to change. What should a patient ask their dentist? So let's just say I come in and I'm like, you know what? I, I, I my, you know, great, great grandmother left me $20,000 and I want to get this beautiful, you know, re rehab on my mouth. What are some of the questions that you should ask your dentist to know whether or not that dentist is capable of doing the procedure and work on you? Right? Because some dentists will say, oh, I took a course on full mouth rehabs and it was like five weekends. Mm-hmm. Do you think five weekends is adequate enough to be able to do a full mouth? No, I think I think it comes nowadays. It's changed also. Well, a lot of people aren't asking the question. They're looking for pictures. They want to see before and afters. I don't really have any case acceptances now without any patient asking me for before and afters. And, you know, <clears throat> how comfortable are you with these cases? Have you had any issues with these cases? I think patients nowadays, depending on your area and demographic, uh, is well more educated than they were, I would even say, when we were in school. P- patients, because of social media and all the information that's out on the internet, that lets the patient be more educated. Like when you discuss certain treatments, they're going to look it up and they're going to ask you, random questions. I have patients in every spectrum. I have some that are highly educated and want to know what's happening and others that don't. So it really depends. The question is always going to lie on how trustworthy are they of you and how much do they believe that you could get it done? And, And I think that has a lot to do with one, body language, two, your communication level with the patient, how you talk to them your empathy, your listening, if you're listening to the context cues of what exactly what they want. You know, it, it, it really depends on the patient. And that's a hard question to answer because people are way more educated and more dental conscious now than they were, say, 10, 15, even 20 years ago. Well, But you could you could have a, a sociopath as a dentist. That's it. I was going to yeah. say a, a was, great salesman and the person it. feels exactly completely comfortable right. and the, the dentist is you know <laughs> talking out his rear because he has no idea what he's doing um that's it i think it's it's you know it's the the question you gotta inform yourself as the patient and figure out what kind of questions do i have to ask and uh coming back to the before and afters it's you know let me see the work you've done how many of these people are uh still have all the work in their mouth it's still functioning it still looks good the things that are important to you and uh it, it just 
maybe it's uh oh HIPAA kind of prevents asking you know to talk uh, to the what's person. the name yeah. can, can I talk to some of your other patients that right. kind of defeats the whole purpose of, of HIPAA but uh yeah it's you know getting informed yourself as a patient learning the basics of the procedures that you want to have done and then you know even getting a second opinion is the best thing mm-hmm. you know it, even if you some com- trust somebody completely if you're going to be investing a lot of money go get a second opinion it's not going to hurt anything well 100% right okay well so here's the remember that um article that came out i want to say it's like USA today or something they basically mm-hmm. went around the US and they said oh we tested you know, uh, we showed this, uh, what, a hundred dentists, the same x-rays and they came up with like 90 different treatments. Right. right? So is a second opinion going to actually benefit the patient based on that article? Right. I mean, I, I, what do we think about that? Dr. Aruz? That, that again falls into the line of how well you communicated with them because their experience is always going to dictate their treatment plan acceptance for a degree. So a lot of the times, if you have both dentists that have equal backgrounds, they're going to know which one they were more comfortable with. Now, if they're separate backgrounds, they're going to know too, because a lot of people, they could read if you're hesitant or if you're kind of not knowing. They can pick up on that. Unfortunately, some don't. And there are those uh, dentists that are sociopaths that will blow smoke up everyone and do horrible dentistry that we can't control. Right. So that, that is an unfortunate part of it, but I think the patients do have a lot of control in their own treatment. They have every right to get second opinions. They have every right to weigh their options out. And every dentist is going to treat a patient differently, no matter what. I mean, between us three here, we're going to treat, a case differently. If we put a, a complicated case and say you have an hour to treatment plan it, we're going to have three different treatment plans. Why? We were trained differently and we're going to see things differently. And we're comfortable with different treatments. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. That's it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I feel like dentists have gotten to the point where if you're comfortable with dentures, that's all you're going to tell patients they need. If you're right, comfortable right. with implants, then guess what? You know, it's kind of like what, uh, what was that? What's that one saying? It's like when you see a tooth, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, if you see a nail and you have a hammer, you're going to use that hammer every single time, right? Correct. Right. So so that's something that I, I think we need to talk about. So, all right, let's, let's you know, Dr. Aruz, uh, let's talk about why you, you're here, right? You've taken a lot. And actually, Dr. Dumpert as well, um, he has a master's. Uh, he's, you guys have taken a lot of continuing education. Where do you guys think that new grad coming out of school should start? What courses, what CEs really benefited you before we get to the more advanced? And we'll get to the more advanced that you guys have already taken. But let's start with the beginning. What is the one thing that I think you think every uh, um, new grad should take to begin their process of learning true dentistry? I'm going to let you go, Kyle, and then I'll go to that. The The thing that has benefited me the most was signing up with my with the AGD uh, with the Pennsylvania Academy of General Dentistry specifically it, because they offer what's called a mastership track which is basically they have a if you follow their uh, continuing education within five years you'll have a master's through the Academy of General Dentistry. The reason I like this is as a general dentist, it 
pr provides a well-rounded program in all aspects of dentistry. It gives you uh, a lot of times if you go to pick out, you know, uh, a weekend CE course, uh, maybe that's at the beach somewhere, or you want to you know, write off a, a family vacation. The You go to that course, everybody sits there, they don't talk to anybody else, you get your CE credits and you leave. With going with a group, whether it's through, you know, a different, uh, a MISH, a Dawson or something, or uh, like the the AGD groups, you're with the same people, you create friendships, you create a, a network of professionals that you can bounce ideas off. And a lot of times you learn a couple of little pearls from the class, but you learn from the other dentist. This is what worked for me. This is what didn't work. And talking to the other dentists after the class, spending a weekend with them, that's where you learn a lot of stuff where you know, if you're surrounded by fellows and masters, you're, there's a lot more information to learn than what's just presented in the class. So th that was the most beneficial thing to me. So what I'm hearing is basically that allowed you to kind of have a, a clear path instead of being scattered, yeah. right? Not knowing what right. to take. Right. Okay, Dr. Aruz, you went a different route. How did you start? I did. I went, I went the, the route of Frank Spear. And I think that going through the Spear curriculum was very beneficial because it started you off, one, being able to treatment plan correctly. That is your first course. Treatment planning and occlusion. These are two huge items that is not taught in dental school. Mm -hmm. I agree. No. I agree. They're not. So a lot of the times a student will say, or what's wrong with that patient? They're looking at a radiograph, and in their head they're thinking MODBL, 500 surfaces of a composite, but they're not looking at the cracks, right? So, mm -hmm. And that leads to problems. So I think having a path where you understand treatment planning and then occlusion, how Spear set it up, and I was also fortunate to be part of a Spear study club, which coincided with what Dr. Powell was talking about, at which point we all met up every month. We discussed cases. We went over different scenarios. We went on different Spear CE courses as a group. It was very nice. I think if you're going to go that route and if you have a Spear study club or a Seattle study group or any of these, they're very beneficial if you don't have an AGD program like Dr. Kyle has. I think that's beneficial, especially for new docs, because it connects you with older docs in the area. It creates connections, it creates relationships, which help out, especially if you don't have a specialist, there's specialists involved in these groups. But <clears throat> Spear was a great start for me as far as showing me how to properly treatment plan, how to properly see what I didn't know. Um, and then getting into occlusion and then in all of the other courses, because they do offer a composite, you know, veneers, implants, et cetera. And you get your pick of the litter as far as what you want to do. Uh, but I would start there or COIST, which I'm actually starting my COIST journey this year. I decided that after Spear, why not take COIST and get my COIST diploma? And what's so the difference? So that's where I'm going into next. What's the difference mm -hmm. between the two? Well, they were, they used to be called, they used to work together. So Frank Spear and, and Coyce were colleagues in the same office okay. and they're both prof and honest and it's different levels of learning. So I can't speak for Coyce right now because mm -hmm. I haven't gone through the curriculum, 
but it is a smaller class. There's only 35 people per class. And you start with the first two basic courses, which again are treatment planning and occlusion, and you learn their style. And then you go from there, you start taking other advanced courses. And at the end of COIS, you take the last two courses, I believe, are study club courses where you meet with people that have already taken your the previous courses and you have one or more discussion treatment planning and you have to develop a full thing. Go ahead, Kyle. So <laughs> as a talking to new graduates, um, whenever I came out also, money is a big thing, yes. right? We come out of school, a lot of debt. Uh, what is uh, the finances for taking a big course like this? Uh, very expensive. For example, this course alone is around 8000 each course, not if it's bundled together. If they're bundled, they're 10. As we know, Spears between five and 6000 However, unfortunately, if you wait, it's more expensive because the first two years, new grads get huge discounts, which right. I did not take advantage of. Right. And I kick myself for that because it's a big benefit. It's a big discount. And here's the deal. You got to you gotta lose money to make money. Right. So if you're going to jumpstart your career and start good, I've been talking to a lot of new grads, and this is what they've been doing ever since Instagram and everything came out. There's more access to education. They're following other doctors. So they're getting a lot more excitement. I believe we didn't have that. Well, especially you and I in 2009, we didn't have access to that because that <laughs> didn't exist. To, you don't have to call so, us out. I mean, we had we had the I internet. Mean, you act like we didn't have the, like we had dial-up or something. We didn't have Instagram then, but it's okay. <laughs> so it wasn't a thing. But I believe that they should take advantage of their rebates that they get because later on, that's going to be a lot more expensive. Right. Then you start getting into busier practices where you might be solo and it's hard to take a week off. Right. Especially if you're working on your own. You and know, I, want to, I want to echo what you said because I, I the, the new grads that I've talked to, they come out and they think <laughs> I, I've learned everything I need to in dental school. So I, I'm not looking to invest a lot more money at this point. But what they don't understand is what you said. <laughs> One, you get the discount of being uh, a new grad. Pretty much every CE out there will give new grads discounts. So big savings there. Second thing is those early lessons on providing more comprehensive, which also means more expensive treatment to the patient, mm. that's going to benefit you financially long term because you're learning how to do it earlier on. You're treating more <laughs> patients at that higher level. You're getting paid higher, and it, it is a fantastic investment. And the people that are coming out of dental school that are saying, you know, my dad's a dentist, I'm going to work, go work for my dad. I don't really need to go to that continuing education. Well, I hate to say it, but how do you know your dad is the best of the best? <laughs> he, he might have a, a bunch of bad habits that right. he's accumulated over the years, and you have no idea if, if he's the only role model that you're looking at, then you might just be setting yourself up to adopt all of his bad habits that he's going to teach you. So it's, better to go out and get that education. Can I can I actually echo and continue that that thought process? I personally believe that if your parent is a dentist, you should not work with them for at least 2 years. Out, when you grad out, when you get out of dental school, go somewhere else. 
Because mm-hmm. the second you step foot in there, they're going to try to mold you into their own likeness. Right? I honestly I believe that they kind of limit you Agreed. on what you can and can't do. And I honestly think that if you go somewhere else, you get a different vision of dentistry. You get a different way of, of thinking. So that when you come in, you can kind of you know, pick and choose what you are comfortable with. And I feel right. like a lot of people get excited. Uh, and we've talked to... Um, new grads and they're like yeah i'm gonna go work with my parents and i'm like uh that is such a bad idea and i'm not yeah. saying i mean honestly unless your your dad or your dad is spear you know spear or or apple or somebody like that maybe that's the best of the best there right but truthfully even that way i still think going somewhere else seeing what you like to do seeing what works best for you then coming in will give you a better understanding and a clearer mind on on what's actually uh, good for the practice, and you might even be able to add something more to the practice than what they're already doing. Right, if they're referring out all of their endo, all of their surgery, and you come in and you learn from that model, well, then thirty years you're going to refer out all of your endo, all of your uh, surgery, and you're not going to grow that practice at all because you're both going to be fighting for the same exact patients with the same Agreed. exact features. You need to go out, learn <laughs> something more than what whoever your mentor is of the, the practice you're getting into, you need to compliment that person. You don't need to mirror that person. Okay. Here's another thing. What if, right? Again, we talk about uh, student loans. That's our biggest thing that we come out with a lot of debt. How do we restrict the urge on wanting to do everything? Because you, you're, you're taught keep as much as you possibly can in house. So you make as much as possible. Even if it's not beneficial for the patient, Dr. Alaruz, how do you restrict that urge to want to do that? Or or should you do that? Should you restrict the urge? You, you have to know your limitations in your practice. Right, but you don't. Again, you just got out of dental school. The thing is learning how to manage complications. So if you see that there's you in your practice demographic, you get a lot of endos and you're referring a lot of endos, you better learn how to do endo properly. That way you're not losing in on cash flow for your practice. Okay. If you see that your patient base is doing a ton of dentures, it wouldn't hurt to take a massage course and learn how to do dentures properly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just knowing what your current patient base is doing is very important. Pe- people don't see that. And I had to learn that the hard way. You know, it's, it's learning what your current patient base demographic and what you do day in and day out with Unfortunately, our dental softwares are, are so archaic that it's hard to find these out. But it would be great to kind of see where your percentages lie on certain aspects of dentistry so that you could capitalize on those aspects. And I think if you practice long enough, you could see those numbers. But obviously, for a new grad, it's hard. So for a new grad, I think learning as much as you can and having a base understanding of it all would be very good. That's why. Something very uh, comprehensive like a spear or anything like that is very good. Like also AGD doing a mastership program that gives you a track because that way everything's confined. Notice how current, uh, Kyle and I haven't talked about anything other than these bigger CE conglomerates at this point for new grads because it's once you know what you're pretty good at and you want to capitalize on that and that's when you start taking if you're doing a lot of implants, a MISH course, or a center of, if you want to do gingival grafting, you take an Edward uh, P. Allen course at the Center of Advanced Education, or a PICOS Institute if you want to do surgery. 
that's when you start going into the nitty gritty. You have to kind of have a whole base understanding before you climb up the ladder. And that's important. And it's important to know your patient's demographic per practice that you're at in your location. Be honest with yourself. If you know that your area is extremely rural and no one's going to pay for over $10,000 worth of treatment and no no one's going to do veneers, don't take aesthetics advantage of their rooms on my office. Take but, but I like a it. composite veneer course. <laughs> but I like veneers, yeah. right? Like, it, you know, and that's the one thing I think you're basically saying is after a while, it doesn't really matter what you like or want to do. After you know, you kind of got to say, okay, what's going to bring in the patients? What are the patients yeah. looking for? Right? Like you're not gonna have, you're not gonna go to McDonald's and expect them to give you a a, a filet mignon. Like that's just not gonna happen. They know their environment. They do the research yeah, on right. where the need is. Right? Like there's certain courses that will bring money to your practice, which I will say without question in any community in any area. If you take sedation, for example, patients want to be comfortable. What are people's fears? Needles. Their fears are being uncomfortable. Their fears are dental phobia. If you could offer dental sedation in any capacity in your practice, you're going to win. So if you want to take anything to jumpstart your career and do quadrant full mouth dentistry so you're not wasting four days doing four quads of MODBLs because in your area no one wants to pay for a crown, then take sedation because that patient is going to do it all in one shot and they're going to be comfortable. So there's a lot of ways of of going about how to handle your practice according to your people. A lot of the times, what are people's most biggest fear? Pain, discomfort. Is it going to hurt? Is it sensitive? Am I going to feel anything? Right. I had a bad experience as a kid. So if you're going to come out of school and you want to tackle everything and bring money into your practice, take a sedation course because I think that's very necessary. And it has nothing to do with hand skill at that point. You know, it's it's very... It's all chemistry and pharmacology, if that's what you want to do. Again, it really depends. This, this Dental CE is such a broad topic because they could go into so many categories depending on what you do or you're comfortable with. Well, but not every dental CE is made dis- the same, right? Um, right no. now, so for example, right now, I, I know what's big is what? Uh, um, sleep apnea. Yeah. Everybody correct. everybody says you need to do sleep apnea. That's where the money is and stuff like that. So is that something that you should just go now and go take sleep apnea courses? Or do we say, okay, let's focus on the basics first before we get to the sleep apnea? Like what do you do in that situation? Because we know what's hot right now is sleep apnea. What do you do? I I, I think it's good to uh take maybe if you're thinking about getting into a new area, mm-hmm. take an hour online C E class. Dip your toe in the water. See if that's something that interests you. If it's something that interests you, then you can start <clears throat> investing more money into learning more about it. Okay. I wouldn't jump into taking, you know, a week-long sleep apnea. This is how you do it. This is how you set up medical billing and try to do everything all at once. Just dip your toe in the water. Yep. The other thing I, I think is a good idea is if you uh, – I, I think it's a great idea to try – all areas of dentistry. Uh, figure out what you like, what you're good at. One, in dental school, but also, two, when you're out, if you're going to go that route, try to uh, make sure you have a good relationship with the specialists around you. Because if you're going to start doing more uh, involved treatments, you need to have that uh, really that Thank friend. You. Yeah, you, you need to have somebody that can bail you out, honestly. 
uh, and not that person that you only send the difficult cases to. Right. If if I was your general dentist, uh, referring to you, Dr. Aka, mm-hmm. and I only sent you the most difficult pain in the butt patients, right. you're never going to want to see my patients. You're not going to want to have a relationship with me. Right. So every so often, even if it's something that you can do in your office, <laughs> if it's, it's uh, you know, an easy case that maybe, you know, I'll, I'll send this to Dr. Aka, let him know that, you know, I, I'm not just sending him the headache people. Right. And he's, I would think that you would be more willing to help me out, help me learn also if we have that good relationship. And, you know, let me just piggyback off of that. You know what I actually really enjoy? When I get an opportunity to talk to my referrals, just based on just random stuff. Like, they'll call me and be like, yeah, man, you know, did you watch this game? Or, or hey, I, I had this patient that was bleeding here, 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 or had this case. Like, let's look at this case together and we talk about it. That actually shows me that you're putting effort into learning about perio. And I always say the people that know about perio are the best referrals because they mm-hmm. also know what they can and can't handle. They understand it a little bit more. You know, right. they don't think, oh, periodontist just, you know, hey, my tooth is loose. Go to periodontist. That's not their thought process. It's, oh, well, maybe instead of putting a composite on that class five, maybe let me do a, a connective tissue. Let me do a free mm-hmm. gingival. You know what I mean? So so the people that I know that come and talk to me and ask me these questions and depth questions are the ones that I'm usually like, I'm excited to see what they're going to send me because they're usually really good cases or interesting cases anyway. Because specialists right. don't want to just do the same thing over and over. Some of them do. I'll speak on that. <laughs> but not everybody wants to. You know, we want to challenge ourselves too. We want to have fun with our, uh, our referral, referring dentists and, and, and both of us challenge each other, you know, right. and, gr- and grow yeah. together. You know, I mean, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Aruz, you and I, we have conversations all the time about random stuff yeah. with, with, with procedures and cases. And However, stuff. That, that came with a lot of time because you and I could have conversations about perio. I could have conversations with endos about endo. I could have conversations with oral surgeons about oral surgery. And that's because I've dipped my foot in all of those waters. Like Dr. Kyle saying, I have a broad understanding, maybe not a specialist understanding, but a very broad understanding. Right. And I know... It's very important for the general dentist to know enough so that when they refer a case, they know it's going to be successful. Not send the case because they don't know what they're doing. Send the case, for example, if you're going to need crown lengthening, know that this needs crown lengthening. Don't just need an extraction. That's for, for evaluation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Dr. Alruz, let's talk about some of the courses that you would actually recommend for these new grads and actually dentists in general. Yeah, absolutely. So I think having a broad understanding of comprehensive dentistry, treatment planning, and inclusion by either doing a SPEAR curriculum at the SPEAR Institute or a course curriculum to start, I think those two are the pinnacle. And then you could trickle down into other areas. For example, for adhesive dentistry, I think it's very important if you're a general GP to understand adhesion. There would be Najat Institute where you're learning about biomimetics or the BAARD Institute for Biomimetics with Dr. Schiffenhaus. I think that's important because it lets you understand how to bond correctly because what's one of the biggest problems that we have? Fillings falling out, crowns falling out. How to properly bond to enamel and dentin and being successful. That will prevent so many headaches. I think after that, a very big one if you're into surgery is either doing a PICOS Institute or a MISH Implant Institute course. That'll give you a good understanding of implantology, surgery, 
if you want to do your own free gingival graft, I know Dr. Aka, you'd rather them see the perio. There's some docs that want to do their thing. Right. And right. again, I had mentioned previously with Dr. Edward P. Allen for the Center of Advanced Education, and that's in Texas. That's in your neck of the woods. No, Dr. Allen, I, I, I've, taken, yeah, I've taken courses with uh, Dr. Allen. He's incredible. He okay. He's one of the founders or actually one of the people that came up with the whole tunneling technique for connecting Correct. Tissue. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ex- excellent course. Correct. So, excellent course. Uh, if we want to learn Lanapola Pip, the Millennium Dental Technology is phenomenal because Lanapola Pip are great uh, adjunct treatments to periodontal disease, which I think is a must, and it's it's a great it's great for the patient and it's great for the practice because once you learn how to do it, the results are phenomenal and they work really well. And, and uh, there was a, want... <laughs> there was a real quick before you continue that there was a uh, an episode I want to say it was what uh, <laughs> Doctor uh, Kyle you should know but uh, it was like episode yeah, yeah, yeah. ninety five or ninety six or something like that it was uh it's a freaking laser episode <laughs> and we go into that and one my my biggest gripe with the Lanap is I feel like a lot of people get stuck with saying oh everything you know, everything is in, everything is a nail, right? So I'm going to use a hammer. And I don't think that that's the way people should think about it. It is a great, it is a great uh, laser and there's been research that's been proven, but I don't think every patient is a candidate for that. No. And I agree 110%. Well, I think that you need to explore and look at the pockets and look at the history prior to doing that diagnosis. Yes. When you brought up lasers, I was smiling because I knew (laughs) Dr. Aka was going to chime in. Believe me, (laughs) there is protocols in place that will allow for that if it's necessary. Obviously, don't do an SRP when somebody has 9 millimeter pockets. (laughs) You could do Lanap first. Right. Because then you you null their Lanap ability. But anyway, going into... Going into a more, if you want cosmetics, their uh, aesthetic advantage by Larry Rosenthal. Again, that's also taught by Michael Appa, as well as uh, Mike Brum and Don Strupp in Florida have an amazing course. It's called Simplifying Complex Cosmetic and Restorative Dentistry. It's a three-day course. It's in Clearwater Beach, Florida. They even did one in San Diego in California, and it is phenomenal. And they cover all spectrum then both these guys are prosthodontists and they are amazing for that uh i'm currently taking the fmr nyc which is full mouth rehabilitation new york city with dr dean vafiatis he is phenomenal this course is he's been educating people in the, in the new york small institute for years and it's for full mouth rehabilitation he is just amazing uh if you want to do less invasive dentistry, if your area is not really sought out to do a lot of porcelain veneers or anything like that, Dr. Marshall Hansen has a composite veneer course. If anyone's ever looked up his Instagram, he is the wizard of composite veneers. It is ridiculous how good this man is. It's a gift. Uh, and then we get into other things such as Dental management, which no one talks about. So there is MGE, which has a good dental management company. And for your front staff, for your front desk, for your assistants, for your patient coordinators, there's front office rocks. That's online. They could take those courses and they could get trained off that. That's kind of a, a new thing happening. And as far as what's new and up and coming with the younger dental 
dentists that are out in their Stribe Dental, which was started with uh, the APA group with Dr. Dean, uh, with Dr. Andy Miro. I've taken a couple. It's online. It's phenomenal. You get CE credits. They're fairly cheap. And then there's a Dental Influencers Alliance, which has had very successful. Obviously, this year with COVID, we had to cancel this year's conference, but it's been very successful. As far as things like, that's pretty much where I'm at with that. And there's two books, if anyone's ever interested in cosmetic dentistry, which to me are the pinnacle. One is Dr. Pascal Manier's Bonded Porcelain Restorations in Care Dentistry, a Biomimetic Approach, and Dr. And art of porcelain laminate veneers. If you ever need to read two books in your life and be done and put them on your coffee table, if you're a cosmetic dentist, those are the two. Repeat, and, repeat uh, those two books again. Repeat those two books again. I like that. Repeat those two books again. So it's Dr. Pascal Manier, M A G N E, and it's Bonded Porcelain Restorations in Anterior Dentistry, a Biomimetic Approach. And Dr. Galip, G A L I P, Gurel. G-U-R-E-L, The Science and Art of Porcelain Laminate Veneers. Those are the two, what we call, quote-unquote, cosmetic Bibles. If you were to ever read two books and be done the rest of your career, those would be the two. So that's where I'm at with my list uh, as far as what's, what's out there. Okay, well, you brought something else, too, that I actually liked a lot. Was You said, despite all these courses that you can pay for, let's start with What's what's out there for free? Instagram, right? We we don't talk about enough about Instagram, and uh, and I think Instagram can really open your eyes to what's actually out there. And YouTube. And YouTube, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, YouTube. Uh, so let, let's talk about some of the people that you follow on Instagram and YouTube that you actually think is beneficial for people to learn from. My, besides myself, yeah. of course. Besides myself. Besides Doctor Roger. Uh, so <laughs> I want to be humble about it. If this. you're in, if you're into surgery, who better than the bloody tooth guy? Okay. Doctor Jason Auerbach. Uh, he's just phenomenal, and he's fun to watch. He's very educational. Follow Doctor Michael Lapp on his Instagram. Follow Doctor Marshall Hansen on his Instagram if you want to see mind blowing interior composites. Literally crazy. Um, there is also Dr. Elvis Adamo, which is one of the greats in cosmetic dentistry. Um, there is Dr. Schiffenhouse for the biomimetics, Dr. Nejad, Dr. Pascal Manier. And if you're into surgery, there's a lot of really amazing oral surgeons, Dr. Hannah, uh, hashtag OMFS. Uh, the, the list just goes on and on right. for, for amazing content. You go to SFL Downer, so that's Brian Bollywood, or uh, so many others. I mean, right. it's just there's a lot of content nowadays that we didn't have, even on YouTube. You want to learn how to do a Facebook properly using Artex or any Facebook? There, it's there. Use it. Yeah. These things didn't exist when we were in school. I wish they were there. I agree. I completely agree. Like, there's been so many things that I've learned on on uh, YouTube that I mean, just it's it's there. People really are willing to just tell you everything uh, that they they know, right? Be, you know, that's yeah. one thing about people. We brag a lot, so we're willing to show us show everybody what we know. You know, like I I know I I actually learned how to uh, edit uh, podcasts and stuff like that on YouTube. Yeah, you know? and you know what's great about Instagram is you get to see other dentists doing their thing and you can see what good is and what bad is right very easily so and, and honestly, then you look at yourself 
there's some CE courses that I, I know a lot of the stuff you mentioned, this is, uh, they show ideal cases. This is how things turned out. Yes. Some of the courses that I've learned the most from are dentists that aren't uh, ashamed to show their mess up. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I took a very good course. I believe it was a, a Dr. Resnick, Resnick that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. did uh, complications for implants. Yes. This is what happened. This is what went wrong. If you're in this situation, this is how you can fix it. Uh, so find those dentists that are willing to share their mess ups and what you can learn from them. And I'll second that, Kyle, because like you said, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people's CEs are like Instagram, right? They only show the pretty stuff, but there mm-hmm. is a lot of mess up when we, we, we were, no one's perfect. You know, I can right. guarantee you the best of the best still screw up some cases and sit there and go, man, I could have done that better. They're not going to show you right. on Instagram, but they're going to show you, you know what I mean? They're going to show you uh, all the pretty ones and all the ones that were perfect. <laughs> and that's something that I think we can talk about real quick uh, for the end here is just how to really self-evaluate. I feel like one thing that we're not good at as dentists, or at least what we need to practice more on, is self-evaluation and being able to be honest with yourself and say, I can do better or I need to do better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's where the study groups come in. Uh, I'm sure the Spear study group is like that. I mean, PAGD yep. that I'm with, the study groups there, it is creating presentations, going over it with a group. This is what I did. This is where I think I can go do better what's everybody else's opinion on, on this case. I agree. And I think having, finding yourself a mentor would be excellent. Yes. Now, mind you, you don't know if they're amazing, but nowadays with all of social media and everything, you kind of know, you could even get a mentor. I have friends of mine that live in Miami that have Elvis Adamo, which is one of the big Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry docs out there. He basically leads all of them. He's their mentor in Miami. They call them, they send them pictures. They send them everything. Dr. Dean Vafiades, he mentors all of us that are in his group. We, we have access to his cell phone. We can call him, send him x-rays, photos. He'll go over treatment plans, tell us what we did wrong. Hey, you prepped it. Awkward. You should have done this instead next time. So finding a mentor early on in your career would really, really help. That's something that I wish I had because I never had a mentor. I kind of had to learn banging my head against the wall a lot. Mm-hmm. And it really helps when you have someone that's older that you look up to in the community and that's doing it the right way. Let's be honest, people, you know, who's doing it the right way and who's not. Right. So finding someone like that. And in a study group, it's very easy to find. You'll know that one guy in your study group, that's a monster. And you just pick their brain, go out to lunch with them, go to dinner, go to their office, see how they run, sit down, watch him present a treatment plan, watch him talk to the patient, watch them treat something. How did they, how was their flow? These are all very important aspects, which younger docs don't know, which will help them create themselves. I have a lot of the younger docs in my current practice. I work in a very large group practice. And, you know, we watch the managing partner a lot do treatment plans and how he speaks to them and how he does care side mannerisms. There's so much to learn. And I feel that you need to just be able to soak it all up. And unfortunately, a lot of people run into a rut and they get into habits and then it creates bad habits long term. So finding a mentor that could kind of snap you out of those bad habits early on helps out a lot. And this is my plea to all the dentists out mm-hmm. there about the com- trying to be competitive and be uh, the, the best and not really share 
information. I, I think there are plenty of patients out there for everybody. We're not in a competition with each other. We should all, we're all lifelong students. We should all be there helping each other out. And it only makes the whole experience better if we're all on the same page, if we're all learning from each other. And don't be that dentist that just stays in your little office hole and doesn't talk to any other professionals. That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help your patients. We're a dental community. We should you know, be able to share these ideas and information with each other. I agree. And you see that when you go to these e-courses. There's always a few that are very standoffish for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. No reason. Because then you look at their work and you're like, this guy's hot garbage. So it's just like, whatever, <laughs> keep your own horn. So it's just, you know, it is what it is. You, they might make a lot of money, but their work is crap. It's just that they're able to talk their way into selling a torn tire. It's cool. It'll get catch up to them eventually. So my thing is, like you said, Kyle, it's educating, being like-minded individuals. We're all in this together. We're all doctors. We all love this profession. We all want this profession to grow. How do you do that? We grow each other. We learn from Set that bar high and help each other get there. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of showing a mess up. Because guess what? We all do. No one's perfect. We're humans. We're not machines. So, uh, you know, it's so important to be able to share your failures along with your successes and then teach people how you got from point A to point B. Because you're not holding the secret recipe of Coca-Cola. A veneer prep is a veneer prep. And guess what? It could look like poop on your prep, but guess what? You have a good lab technician win. There's a guy I follow on Instagram, Dr. Duvall. If you ever have a chance, look him up. His lab technician is probably the best lab technician in the world. He's probably hidden in a cave somewhere (laughs) because no one knows who it is. But those veneers are phenomenal. God knows what those preps or the radiographs look like because I've never seen one. But the veneers look phenomenal. So. It, it really depends. So um, I'm one of those. Share your X-rays. Share your pets. Share the final result, and then share your lab tech. Because we all want to know who it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> with that being said, love everybody. Yes. Have everybody learn together as a community. We're all dentists. We all love what we do. I want nothing but the best for all our future docs. Because we got to give them a reason to want to study what we do. That's it. And we all went into this because we loved it. And I see a lot of our colleagues that are unhappy every day. And it's a damn shame. So if, if, they, if they were able and willing to open themselves up to more like-minded individuals like us here in this podcast, maybe we'd have a different issue. Maybe we'd be more united in that front. But we'll see. We'll see what the years bring. That's awesome. Man, I, I that let me just shut up and end it there. That's perfect. So we're gonna end it there, uh, Doctor Alruz. Uh, I'm I'm gonna get the list from you. Uh, but cool. if somebody wants to reach out to you, please give them your contact information so they can reach. Yeah, out to you. they could uh, reach me at my Instagram handle is at doctor dot f e t i. So it's at dr period f e t i. And if they want to reach out to me, my personal email. It's a period a r a u z zero four at gmail dot com. I'll be more than willing to answer any questions or any inquiries. You could DM me, whatever. I'll answer fairly fairly quickly. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and literally give us just I mean just yeah. these gems and 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 I mean you've basically spent years putting this list together and you put it out there in in twenty minutes 
to an hour. I mean, that's it's amazing. So thank you for taking the time to do that. So you saved a lot of people headache and time, right? Because now they can just go to the the best. And I mean, Dr. Dumper, you're you're again, you're also spitting out a lot of gems and you were absolutely correct, man. We're in this together, but sometimes people feel like they're isolated and that shouldn't be the case at all. Especially now right. with social media and everything out there. So so and then and, and like you said, groups that you can always get involved with. So we'll stop there. Uh, I think this is was awesome. I really appreciate both of you guys for coming on and giving us the knowledge and the gems, man. I thank you. My pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that. Our professional opinions, the final decision about your health, should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.